0: This is Stephen Strang. Welcome to my podcast. You know, I always enjoy talking to Jensine Bard. Uh, she's interviewed me on her testimony program several times, uh, really, for each of our books. And, and one time, just uh, talking about the testimony. And I told her, I said, Jensine, I need to have you on my podcast. And so I will in the not too distant future. But when I just finished my new book, God, Trump, and COVID 19, I put a little thing on Facebook with the cover. And she actually sent me a little Facebook mes- message and asked if I would do an interview. We hadn't—we did it so fast, we hadn't even gotten around to setting up media interviews. So she was, I think, the very first interview I did, I asked her if I could have uh, permission to use it. She was glad to say uh, yes. And so I'm going to play it for you as is. I know you'll enjoy it. Share it with friends. And be sure to check out my new website, stevestrangbooks.com. And there's a lot more information about the book. So here is Jen Cine.
1: Stephen, welcome back to Testimony.
0: Well, thank you. I always enjoy being with you. And I need to have you on my podcast sometime, or maybe you'll let me uh, run a couple of these interviews on my podcast. That'd be great.
1: I would love that. That would be a complete honor. Thank you so much. First of all, um, I was saddened to hear at the beginning of your book the loss of those close to you due to COVID-19, the coronavirus disease. Talk about that briefly if you can, and then share just why you decided to write your latest must-read, God, Trump, and COVID-19.
0: Well, I dedicated uh, the book to Reverend Greg Mundus, who is the um, executive director of World Missions for the Assemblies of God in Springfield. You know, that's a pretty high position in that um, denomination. And he had entertained some uh, friends or some missionaries, I guess you say, from uh, France, and they had the virus. He didn't know it. And when they got back to France, you know, they got sick and about the same time he got sick, and then his wife got sick, and he uh, he was very, very serious. He was on a respirator. He's going to be okay, but he was the first person who I knew personally uh, to have the disease. I live in Florida. Of course, everything shut down here. Most of the things have shut down. Um, where I live in Seminole County, Florida, I don't know anyone in our locality who got sick, and I just felt uh, Greg Mundus is a good friend, and then I dedicated in memory of uh, Bishop Philip Brooks from Detroit, who has a great church up there. He he was the assistant presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, which is number two position in his denomination. And um, I actually ministered at his church in the 90s. We've been friends for that long. And apparently, what happened is at somebody's funeral. I don't even know who. Uh, Listen, I've gone to Church of God in Christ funerals before. (laughs) I flew in one time uh, for the presiding bishop who died, and and there were like thousands of people there, and I think they had two or three services. There were so many people, and somehow, some way, somebody had the virus, and quite a number of the bishops actually caught it, and several died. And he was the first person, uh, really the only person that I know personally who died of the virus. I just thought it was a way that I could pay tribute to his memory And, uh, you know, to tie it into me personally, I didn't write it so much because I was personally involved. I'm personally not afraid of the virus. I believe in 2020 hindsight that a lot of this has been exaggerated, but we can't ignore the impact on the nation, the world, and certainly on the 2020 election. And as I tell the reader, if the uh, pandemic had happened when I was writing the book, I would have included a lot of this material in it. But I finished the book sometime before the midterm elections. uh, It released uh, January 14th. At that time, we were just barely hearing about some SARS-like virus coming out of China. Had no idea at all. I traveled as late as uh, leap day at the end of February. You know, uh, people were talking about it, but not much had changed. And then just everything changed. And it kind of throws everything up in the air. You know, I, I tell that in some ways, I believe Do, uh, Donald Trump has done a very good job. Um, of course, his opposition blast him on this, like they blast him with everything else. But, you know, that could really help him. On the other hand, all bets are off. I mean, it's just something like this, especially with the economy. When I wrote Guy Trump at the 2020 election, I told why he must win. And the reason he must win is not so much because... Of Donald Trump as an individual, but just because what's happening in our country, and I believe that it's going in a terrible direction in lots of ways. Morally, it's more and more godless. Uh, it's becoming more and more socialistic. There's, there's powers that I write about in the sequel that want to make us go globalist. Um, you know, there's a lot of dangers in the world, and I believe, I really believe, and I, I make the case that God raised up this sort of unlikely Businessman, unlikely in the sense that he'd never held political office of any kind, and I have a chapter call for such a time as this. The new book is shorter; uh, it's uh, low thirty thousand, maybe thirty-one, thirty-two thousand words. It's about a two-hour read. It's about one-third as long as the hardcover books. Uh, so you know, it we were able to do it in less time. I got a team. I hired two editors to work with me to kind of edit the chapters as fast as I wrote them. We did finish in 19 days, and then it goes through the editing process. So from the time I initially got the idea, started working two days later until the book was uploaded to the printer and to Amazon, was actually, I think, a month and a day. Uh, I think April's a little bit shorter month, but... You know, most of the time, writing a book is a year-long project, and even if you hurry, it six months. But you know, this was you know less than five weeks from idea to being out. It actually releases on Amazon on the fourteenth. People can get it on my own website, which is called SteveStrangBooks.com. They can get either a free download, they can order the ebook, they can order the print book, they can get my other books. Uh, there. It's just my way. I'm trying to get out the word. I didn't write this to just sell one more book. I mean, I'm a publisher. I've already published over 2,000 books. Uh, Ecclesiastes says, the making of books, there is no end. I mean, if Ecclesiastes said that in Solomon's day, how much more is it true now? And of course, I think all the books that I uh, published are important or we wouldn't have published them. But on the other hand, um, you know, I have just a burning desire to do what I can to really wake up the church. I believe the church has a reprieve. There are those who are saying that this could spark a great awakening, and great awakenings in the past have been sparked by terrible things happening, or were around the period of terrible things. The second great awakening would have been uh, not long before the Civil War, um, which I guess is the other order. But, you know, David Wilkerson, I opened the book with this prophecy that David Wilkerson did, It's a little bit controversial in that some people are saying, well, there's no proof that he said it. He has been dead for a number of years, and this prophecy is from 1986. But uh, I believe that it's true, and um, I open the book with it, and then later in one of the chapters, I do a deep dive and kind of analyze it like I'm kind of explaining to you now. But here's his prophecy. I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars, the church, and the government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it's never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer, into their Bibles and repentance, will be the cry from true men of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. And here's the backstory on it. Uh, David Wilkerson was a friend of Mike Evans. Mike and I have been friends since the 70s. Uh, He's the one who founded the Friends of Zion Museum, which is a wonderful museum. He's very well known as a Christian Zionist. He's personal friends with Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu.
1: Right. I've had the opportunity to interview Mike Evans, his story, Son, I Love You, and I'm aware of this book, so it's great that you're bringing that in. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to author and publisher Stephen Strang, his latest must-read, God, Trump, and COVID-19. Stephen, please proceed.
0: Well, I'm sorry I kind of took over your interview. I'm more uh, used to being on the other side of the microphone, but...
1: (laughs) That's okay. It's great.
0: uh, You know, Mike is a person with credibility. He's got a large ministry. It really comes down to, do you believe that David Wilkerson said this to him? And the story he tells, which is believable to me, is they had breakfast one day at the Embassy Suites at the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. I've actually been at that hotel Uh, It was right before the PTL scandal. Um, He shared with Mike um, a letter that he had written some of the leaders at PTL warning them of coming disaster, and, of course, that did happen a year later. So in a way, that gives a little bit more credibility. Um, He prophesied a lot of things. Uh, There are those who believe some of his prophecies didn't come true. Of course, we can also make the case that they haven't come true yet, but, I mean— I don't know. He was controversial. There are some people who don't like him at all. I happen to hold him in high regard. I believe a lot of the things he was saying about America and the direction the country was going, even back in the eighties and nineties, were true. Mike says that he took some notes and stuck it in his Bible, which he used at the time. I've done that many times. If I'm talking to a, you know, I've had the opportunity to have lunch with Oral Roberts and Jack Hayford and different ones and in those settings, I would take notes. And, uh, you know, sometimes I would use the notes maybe if I had to write or, you know, just different things. I'm in the habit of note writing. I can believe that he left it in his Bible. Uh, There were some people on the internet who said that some of his family members were saying that he never said it. Well, you know, just from a common sense point of view, if I had lunch with Mike Evans in 1986 and somebody asked my son Cameron if, if I said, or if I had lunch with him, Cameron say, I have no idea. You know, I mean, you know, first of all, you don't tell people that. However, I know Gary Wilkerson, who's uh, Dave Wilkerson's uh, son. I've known him for a number of years, and I have his email address, and I just emailed it to Gary, and I said, look, in fact, I emailed him the criticism from the internet that somebody had sent to me, and I said, what do you think? And he said, well, he had no record, neither did World Uh, challenge, the name of their ministry, have any record of him saying that. But he said, it sure sounds like something my dad would say. And so I thought, well, that's good enough for me. You know, I felt the same way. It certainly sounded like something. And, um, you know, it's basically come true. I mean, who would have thought that the bars and the churches would be empty and that New York City would be shaken like this? But the main thing is this Third grade Awakening. I mean, it remains to be seen if this happens, but there's an awful lot of people who believe that this is important. In some ways, this new book of mine goes into these things. I think the first couple of books, I was thinking, I'm writing these for the people that are interested in the election. I talk about the things of the Lord, but I talk about it in a way—you know, my whole career, I've had to try to translate spiritual concepts so that unspiritual people would understand, especially when I was a newspaper reporter, never had to write about religion or denominations or preachers. Or I interviewed Catherine Coleman one time and wrote about it for the Orlando Sentinel, I remember. And so when she would talk about the anointing flowing and all that, I had to put it in terms that an average reader could understand. I've been doing this for years and years, but this one, I just go for it. I mean, it's like I'm quoting all these prophets and talking about the spiritual aspect, and talk about what God is really saying with this pandemic.
1: Question for you now. There has been a lot in the news lately connecting COVID-19 with Bill Gates, World Health Organization, CDC, Fauci, from sources negating their motives and exposing their alliances to China, to the detriment of America and the world at large. Your thoughts?
0: Well, I've heard the same things, and I tend to believe they're true. I do deal with it some in the book. It was not the focus of the book. And, of course, this is evolving almost by the day. It comes down to the fact that the World Health Organization really was almost in cahoots with China. They covered things up. I document this in the book. In fact, someone sent me an email on February 12th. Now, this was very early. Remember, the travel ban had just gone into effect saying that it did not come from a wet market, but from a lab, and giving names and talking about companies from Canada and different things. I mean, it sounded like a conspiracy theory. I checked it out the best I could, decided not to run the conspiracy aspect of it, but he was talking also about what the Christians were doing in China. I have a very good friend named Dennis Balcom, who's been, he's an American who's been a missionary to Hong Kong for 50 years, the only time I went into China, I went with him, so I contacted him, did two podcasts. One of them was my biggest podcast ever at the time, and he told, yes, the government was lying about it, and it was a lot worse than people said. And But he also mainly gave us about what was happening in the church and said that people were testifying of being healed. Whenever I say that, of course, I say, there's no way we can really check that out. But you know I do believe that people are healed and I listen if I had the coronavirus I would certainly want to be prayed for for God to touch me of course most people do recover just like they recover from the flu and other kinds of viruses but um, I'm very suspicious of the World Health Organization I'm very concerned what I hear about Bill Gates you know he is definitely in with all the globalists and and he's talking about wanting everyone to take a vaccine and and even chips to prove that you have the the vaccine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, who knows where this will go. In, in times of crisis like this, all kinds of weird things happen that nobody ever thought before. In fact, one person called it a black swan. Somebody wrote a book on that. You know, something happens that nobody ever thought would happen. And then after the fact, everybody analyzes it and tries to rationalize out. Well, of course it could happen. And you know, if I add to this book, and because it's an ebook and because it's a quickie book, you know, I may update it with a chapter or two in a month or so. We've never done anything like this. I've never done, our publishing house has never done a quickie book like this, although uh, in the same time frame I was writing my book, we're publishing a book by Chuck Pierce called Passover Prophecies, one by Bill Johnson of Bethel, the name of which I can't remember because it's so new. These are books that have not been finished yet. Dr. Don Colbert, writes one called Pandemic Panic. They are all shorter books, mainly through ebooks, also sometimes on print-on-demand. We also have a new book by Dr. Tim Clinton on just the whole idea of stress and all during a time like this. That contract was only signed two days ago, so that book's not out. But, you know, these are all an attempt on our part to reach the market. The whole supply chain has all been messed up, as you can imagine. I mean, most of the Christian bookstores were closed until this week they're opening up in a few states but not most most barnes and nobles are closed there are some stores that stayed open two of them were walmart and sam's and i had a huge number of my book guide trump at the 2020 election in both those stores you know we'd already done promotion and they have continued to sell i mean it's just amazing they've continued to sell i guess people are in there looking for t- for uh, paper towels and toilet paper and they saw my book and bought one you know um So that was kind of an unexpected blessing, and uh, just today we okayed a press run to get the new book in, but our strategy is to send people to our website, stevestrangbooks.com, any online booksellers, Amazon or Christian Books, or I bought one actually this weekend on barnesandnoble.com. I kind of wanted to see You know, when it arrived and so forth, I was just kind of testing it. But, uh, you know, the websites are up. uh, Of course, for retailers, online retailers, this has been a big boon, but it's kind of messed up the rest of the economy. And I I go into that in the book, too. I talk about the whole risk aspect to this. I mean, you know, people die in car wrecks every single day, 50,000 a year, which is just a little bit less than what we've lost in the pandemic. And they're not outlawing cars. If nobody could drive, nobody would die in a car wreck. Early on, it looked like it almost might be like the bubonic plague, which wiped out one third of Europe. You know, even the worst statistic that America might lose two million people, now it looks like it's gonna be less than a hundred thousand. You know, that's awful. One life lost is too much. But I mean people die in the swimming pools every day. They choke on peanuts. You know, I mean, life is just full of risks and we navigate those risks and we live our lives and we've got to get things back to normal. Someone said that this is the only pandemic in history where the healthy have been quarantined. It's always the sick who are quarantined. And, you know, you have to wonder what forces are kind of at play. You know, I try to deal with all this in a spiritual realm. You know, I don't like passing along conspiracy theories. You know, there are people that are thinking that. Left is playing this up to try to defeat Trump, and there's no doubt they're playing it up. However, this has affected not only America, but virtually every country in the world. God has a plan and a purpose. This did not catch God by surprise. We don't understand why bad things happen to good people. But we have to believe that God has a plan and purpose and that he's going to pull us out. And we have to understand what this is saying to the church. The church has an opportunity to serve. There's examples of where the church has really stepped up. I mean, Franklin Graham and Samaritan's Purse is a good example of that, but there's a lot of examples, examples in China, where Dennis Balka was telling how the church was reaching out. My observation is that in America, at least in my part of the country, it seems like the church is just very passively closed down. Uh, One of the things that came out of this that really concerns me is that how some of the states said that liquor stores were essential Abortion clinics were essential, but churches were non-essential. So what is this? We have a constitutional right to uh, freedom of religion for Christianity to be practiced, and our constitutional rights do not go away in a crisis. Now, sometimes, you know, if there's a hurricane here in Florida, they shut down the churches because it's not safe to go out on the roads. But, you know, it's only for a day or two. And even in terms of opening it up, in some states, they're not going to open up churches until they open up like football games and stuff. Why is it safe to pass somebody in the aisle at the grocery store, but not safe to pass that same person at church? The same people who can go to work or the laundromat or to Home Depot are the same people that go to church. It's like the government says, well, you know, it's safe if you go to work and stay six feet apart is not safe if you go to church and stay six feet apart. Now, not all governors are like that. My governor, Ron DeSantis, here in Florida, there was a lawsuit actually where Rodney Howard Brown, a friend of mine, was actually arrested for having service. going to be a constitutional lawsuit, and they thought, saw they were going to lose, and Ron DeSantis said no churches are essential. So I guess if, is it 10 people or maybe 50 people if you stay apart? You know, I went to Home Depot they were counting how many people were in the store. And I said, well, what's the limit? And they said 140. And it was a big store, of course. And everybody just kind of, you know, didn't touch each other and stayed six feet apart. I mean, you can't even get 10 people in a church. I mean, I think that there's some serious consequences about religious freedom and also the mindset of the politicians who would so quickly take away our rights. And to me, that is one of the takeaways from the book the secular press you know they covered it a little bit and the Christian press has been pretty quiet about it but I really speak out in the book uh, of course we're going to make the book available the audio book which I just finished recording today we're going to serialize it we're going to serialize the book I'm going to do everything I can and do as much media as I can and you're the first media I've done so thank you very much for having me on your program
1: What an honor. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Stephen E. Strang, founder of Charisma Media, Charisma Magazine, a veteran journalist, and author of his latest must-read, God, Trump, and COVID-19. Steve, President Trump has been linked to Winston Churchill in that, one, he was a wartime president, two, disliked by opposition and even his own party, and three, did not have the desired characteristics that one in his position of authority should have and yet victory was his against the evil Nazi regime and the elites were proved wrong so question how is this similar to Trump fighting a quote unseen enemy in a war just as deadly if not stopped your thoughts
0: well it's a good question and you know it even goes deeper with Winston Churchill the church people of his day you know, the ones we would call evangelicals today, did not like him at all because he woke up and started drinking brandy first thing in the morning, and he was never without a cigar. Never. And, uh, you know, he was a little salty, but he was raised as a Christian, and his his biographer, who is actually his great-grandson in a book called God and Churchill, similar name, isn't it, and uh, said that he had a sense of destiny, that God had somehow brought him into the world. And I think in that way, uh, Donald Trump has never said if he had that sense of destiny. I think that he does, but he, you know, he's not quiet about anything else, but he's quiet about his religious faith. And uh, in a way, that's good because religious faith is very personal. And they bash him on everything else. But when I get a chance to interview him, and I hope I do, is I'm going to ask him that question. But it's just an example. Listen, all of our presidents have been imperfect, every single one of them. Every human being on, on planet Earth is imperfect. But thankfully, God uses us. It's just that somehow people play up, you know, the same people that play up all of the faults are is the same liberal media that loved him when he was a New York playboy, but he wasn't a Republican. Figure that out. You know, they had no criticisms of it at all until he became conservative, started taking seriously his religious faith, which he does. I really believe he does. I, I personally believe that he's had some kind of spiritual experience that kind of directs the way he looks at the world. I believe that he prays. He told a group of Christian leaders at the White House that he, he wants to be remembered as the president who prays the most, and we don't know what he does in, in the silence of his own heart. And I, I documented in the book on Good Friday, they had kind of like a Christian service in, in the Oval Office, Harry Jackson. I saw it on YouTube, you know, it's there for anybody to see, gave a very nice talk that seemed very appropriate, and this was important to Donald Trump. He told how he watched Gray Glory on live stream and Jensen Franklin and different ones, you know, when churches couldn't be open. I mean, these are just little examples. He had a bunch of Christian leaders up there just a few days ago for the National Day of Prayer, and I'm glad to see that. As an American, I'm glad to see it. I really back him, though, for his policies, not his faith. You know, George W. Bush, I believe is a very sincere evangelical. You know, there are some others we could mention, too. George W. Bush can't light a candle to Trump as a leader. You know, he was just kind of clueless about most things and kind of went along with the globalists, frankly. And I, I realize I'm generalizing. I could be much more specific if we had time. But I believe that God has raised up Donald Trump. I am proud of him. I think he's done a great job. But I'll tell you why we we Christians have to get out and vote. You know now the other side's pulling all this funny stuff about are the polls open, are they closed? But mail in ballots can be. There can be fraud much, much easier than if you go into a voting booth at the voting place. And so I'm just concerned about that. That's why I wrote the book. It's really part B of God, Trump, and the 2020 election. I didn't repeat a lot of stuff from both books. I think people will enjoy reading both, and uh, hopefully we'll know in a day or two if it'll be in Walmart and Sam's. I'm pretty sure it will be. And, of course, from my own site— which uh, I have started playing up because it's my name, Strangbooks.com. It's easy for people to remember, and there's all kinds of specials and things that they can download. And forgive me for plugging it, but <laughs> I just try to get out the word.
1: No, no, I wish we had more time, and, and I'm going to plug it for you as well. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to founder of Charisma Magazine and CEO Charisma Media, Stephen E. Strang, whose latest God, Trump, and COVID-19, How the Pandemic Has Affected the World, America, and the 2020 Election is a must-read. You can learn more about Stephen Strang and Charisma Media by visiting Charisma Mag or charismamedia.com and get his book at stevestrangbooks.com. You will be blessed, encouraged, and given peace that you did. Steve, thank you for writing God Trump and COVID nineteen a gift to us all for such a time as this and spelling out clearly practical and spiritual responses to a pandemic and a presidency that God will work for our good, according to Romans eight twenty-eight, if we but heed, read, pray, and intercede for our nation, its people. And the lost souls now searching for meaning because of that not voting is not an option. And voting for President Donald J. Trump, as your book so beautifully supports, is the only option that makes sense. We thank you, and God bless you.